welcome to the Taney Love Church Podcast. Our desire is to gather, train, and send those who are called to the kingdom. We hope this message inspires, uplifts, and equips you to fulfill the call that God has placed in your life. Thanks again. God bless. Becky and I were gone last week. We were, I had a wedding. I was performing in Colorado. Got to spend time with my family, which was amazing. I love any chance I get to minister um, with my family and love on them. I have such a good, awesome family. And then we came home. We were home for about 24 hours. And then we drove to Pennsylvania and Ohio. We had some ministry stuff out there. So I want to thank you, leadership team, for coming and filling in and Ben for sharing and I just am so thankful to have a team around us that can do what we need to do in in our absence. I know that God has a great plan for our church so I want to thank everyone that came and in support and and for the word that we're sharing. We were able to uh, we were able to get catch some of it um, online um, and it was just such a great time so I appreciate you all. Uh, Thank you Ben. Thank you Luke. Appreciate you guys. Man what what an awesome time we're living in. We have such a great opportunity to fulfill all that God has for us. Um, man, I have so many places I want to go. Let me just let me just share a little bit, if that's okay. So, you know, we as as a ministry have a call to gather, to train, to send, and to minister to people. And what I what I want to point out to you is is I don't I don't just consider that a call that Becky and myself have. Like if you consider yourself part of this church, it's a call that you have. You know what I'm saying? Like it's not that God has called Becky and I specifically, or He has called us specifically, um, exclusively is the word I'm looking for. It's that He's called all of us, right? So if you're if you're in this church, you're you're called to some form of ministry, and that doesn't mean you have to be in the pulpit. That doesn't mean you have to have a ministry. It means that you're called to minister. You're called to be an example. It, it's it's what God has desired all of us to do. So we we got to be in about eight different states in about two days, and traveling and driving, and the Lord sustained us the whole time. And and I, I'm not here to brag on like how great of a driver I am or how the Lord sustains you, but I'm trying to point out is that when you're doing what God has asked you to do, the provision and ability comes. Um, we got to be a part of our close friend, Chris and Courtney Jacobs. They're actually on our board as a church, if you guys didn't know that. They have a revival meeting starting in a week and a half from now that's going to go for several weeks. So we got to be with them, was it last night? No, the night before last night, and, uh, and worship with them. And the power and presence of God was there. I mean, I'm talking, It felt just like it does here, it's there. And, and the reason why I'm pointing that out is, is we're not alone in this call. We're not exclusive in this call. There's a great many people that God has called to minister, to help. And, and what I want to do is I want us to understand that it's bigger than just us, but it includes us. Like it, it's, this, is, this is the Lord that we're talking about. He has a great plan 
a great purpose, a great future for all of us. And I, and I want you to get a hold of that. I want you to get a hold of the future that God has for you. I realize that it's super easy to get hung up on like what we're doing today and what we're doing next week and bills and events and things like that. I realize it's super, super easy to get a hold of these things, to get to, to have these things at the forefront. But I want us to understand that God has a great and mighty purpose for us. Amen. Um, so just keep that in your pocket, please. The reason, why I'm, the reason why I'm saying this is because there's an urgency in my spirit of being prepared. And don't freak out. I'm not going to ask you to start traveling. I'm not going to ask you to start going anywhere. But I know in my heart that there's a purpose and a plan. And, and the Lord is, is, is waiting for those who are willing to just say yes. Right? It says the, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. I, I don't, I don't want to be in the category of the many who are unwilling. Does that make sense? He said the harvest is ready, but the laborers are few, meaning they're, not that there's not enough people to be laborers. It's that there's not enough people willing to be laborers. There's not enough people willing to say, here I am, Lord, use me in whatever capacity you may see fit. Now, some people go, well, I don't necessarily want to be used unless I can be on stage. I don't want to be used unless I can be in front of people. If I'm going to if I'm going to be used, I want to be seen, I want to be heard. Well, I can promise you that's not going to get you anywhere, but yeah, that's not going to get you anywhere good. God God can use you in all aspects of your life. He he will I promise you the Lord will call you to a place. It could be here, it could be someone else. He will call you to a people. He will call you to a group. Sometimes people have have church in their office. Sometimes they have church at, at, at the place that they volunteer. Sometimes they have church in the park. It's not, it has nothing to do with the four walls that we're in. It has to do with the heart of the people that, that con- congregate together. He calls us to people. He calls us to places. And it's, and it's a disservice to the Lord and to ourselves to think that we are ill-equipped, okay? Because the mentality is, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not ready. I'm not able. I'm not willing. Well, you're negating the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen to me. I'm not saying you should just go minister today. What I'm saying is don't. What I'm saying is don't discount the power of the Holy Spirit. If your if your level of understanding of how well you're able to minister is equal to what you think you know about the Word, you're discounting what the Holy Spirit can do. Does that make sense? So you just have to be willing to go. Think about think about when Jesus met the disciples, right? Was it Peter when he said, can I use your boat, Peter? Hadn't really known this guy at all. Can I use your boat? Push out. He, 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 Jesus had to be out on the shore for, for acoustic purposes. That's one of the reasons. Sound carries across water. There was a tool that Jesus needed to use. Well, God, Mike, are you saying that Jesus was lacking? Listen to me. He, there was a tool that he needed to use to get his message across. He needed the boat. Who, who did the boat belong to? Peter. So in order for Jesus to get access to the boat, what did Jesus have to do? He had to ask Peter. There was a man involved. So he said, push out. And so Peter did. I don't know why Peter did it. I don't know why. Maybe I'll ask him one day. I mean, obviously, I'm sure that there was a level of importance and urgency, but he could have said no. Did Peter have an understanding of aquatic acoustic amplification? 
Probably not. What was Peter? I just came up with it by that way. Aquatic acoustic amplification. That's pretty good. That's the Holy Spirit. That definitely wasn't me. What was Peter an expert at? Fishing. He was a pro fisherman. Today, he'd be one of those guys with those big boats, like Bass Pro sponsors. Like this dude was a pro fisherman. Okay, that was his title. He, has, he didn't know about how acoustics works across water. I'm sure he's had some experience with it just being on the water all the time, but that's not his area of expertise. So he just said yes to the Lord. That's all that it was. Jesus said, can I? He said, sure, yes. And what happened was that was a, was a miracle in Peter's life. Do you guys remember what happened after that? He said, you should go fishing one more time. And he's like, he's like, Jesus, I'm a pro. I've literally been fishing all night. If there was fish in them waters, I'd have got them. Okay? But he said, nevertheless, at your word. I've already, I've already done all I know to do. I've already had, my, I have wisdom and understanding in the field of fishing. I am a pro. I have done everything in man's knowledge to do to fish, and I've gotten zero fishes, no fishes. However, because you said do it, I'm going to do it. Do you understand the, the, the man's knowledge and God's knowledge separation here? He, he said, sure. And what happened? They caught so many fish, it started to sink their boat. And their other fishing buddies in their boats came over and were helping them, and it started to sink their boats. You, you understand that this is like a year's worth of salary for like a dozen people that happened. Don't, don't, don't get your eyes on that. That's a great thing, and it's going to happen. But understand what that was a product of. It was a product of Peter saying yes. That was it. And even, yes, in an area he technically knew better than Jesus. And don't, don't get too weird about it. Jesus was a carpenter by trade. I'm talking about the man of Jesus. He was a carpenter. Does Jesus know more about fishing than Peter? No, absolutely. Not as a man, no. Jesus said, I only do what the... Okay. As a man, Pete, Jesus, technically, I'm not going to say Jesus was lacking knowledge, but just for the sake of this argument. So if you're, if you're looking at this in mandem, Peter, a fisherman, is going to take instructions from Jesus, a carpenter. That doesn't make a lot of sense, right? Doesn't make, that's like me going to a rocket scientist and telling him how to build a rocket. By the way, I don't know how to build a rocket. Right? I have no knowledge of this. But Peter said, at your word. He had an understanding. He, Peter had some understanding of who Jesus was and the authority he carried. And he just got done to listening to however many hours of Jesus speaking. I, I don't believe Jesus taught like 15 minutes, like sermons, and then took an offering and then yeeted out of there. I think if Jesus was going to talk, it probably was going to be some time involved. So Peter was on this boat listening to Jesus talk, gains an understanding, understands what Jesus says, and he goes, you know what? What you're saying to me makes zero sense. I have already done all of the fishing that there is to do and didn't catch any, catch any but because you said it, I'll do it. The, the story is in the book for a reason. This is the mentality we need to have. 
This is the mentality we need to have. Whether we have great experience or little experience, whatever the Lord would say to you to do, we need to be willing to do it. We need to be, be willing to, to go and to walk and to say something and to ask questions. Because there's a plan and a purpose for our lives. Say that. Say, I have a plan. I have a purpose. And it's because of God. The, the creator of the universe finds you valuable and has invested in you individually. Do you understand that? Say, God finds me valuable. He does. Not, not me more than you, not you more than me. It's not how it works. He literally has an exact place and purpose for you to walk into. And it's always there. It's never not going to be there. It's always there. No matter how many times you mess up, no matter how many times you walk away, no matter how many times you fall down, no matter how many times you make the wrong decisions, it's never not going to be there. Because God has a greater purpose for your life than you can even imagine. Like he, he doesn't create, he doesn't, he doesn't need us to create carbon monoxides to feed the trees. You understand that? Like he didn't, like, I need to make a bunch of humans so the trees can have food. Am I getting too scientific for everyone? That's not why we're here. We're not just supposed to be oxygen, carbon monoxide producing machines. We're not just supposed to be here breathing air. He, he, he put us on this planet for a purpose. For a purpose. He said he, well, Micah, you know, humans are the ones that procreate and they're the ones that make the decisions to do things, right? He said, I knew you before you were in your mother's womb. He, he, you, you, you as a spirit person existed before your parents came together. Do you understand? I realize I'm kind of getting into some things here. I'm trying to be PC as possible. He knew you before your parents knew each other. How about that? How about that? Does the hand clap help or not help? I'm sorry. <laughs> he knew he had, he's had a plan and purpose for your lives since before your parents knew each other. How about that? It's always been that way. It always will be that way. So, so let's just make a decision to endeavor to walk in that path and in that plan. That's it. Just, just okay, Lord, whatever you would say to me, I'll do. Whatever it is that you need, I'm going to do it. However you say I'm going to do it, I'm going to try, and I'm going to do my best to, to, to walk it out to the best of my ability. Does he require perfection? No. No, he just wants you to be, oh, he wants a willing and obedient heart. A willing and obedient heart. I got one yes. So Ben's in. That's good. A willing and obedient heart. Man. Where do I go? I've like I've been on the road for two weeks and we've been studying and doing these things and I have like a thousand things I want to share with you, but we have more time, right? Yeah. Okay, uh, so let's do this real quickly. Um, yeah, no, we're not going to do that. <laughs> okay, cool. The Lord helps me. He's smart. Okay, yep, I got you. Yeah, I'm going to give you a voice tonight, First Nancy. We've been talking about overcoming um, a poverty mentality, right? Um, I caught some of Ben's message last week. I, I, I love what you said, man. 
I'm very thankful that you shared last week uh, and, and all the ministry time we had. It was really good. I heard great testimonies about last week. So thank you for that. Um, I think I'm kind of close to wrapping this up a little bit. And so I kind of wanted to just do a little synopsis today, cover a few things. I'm really excited because I know what God wants me to teach next. And, I'm, and, I, and I need to finish this thing before I go into the next thing. That's what the turmoil you're seeing inside of me is me knowing what God has next, but I need to put a cap on what we're doing now, okay? Yeah, that's right. So there's, there's one more thing we got to do before we move on from here. Um, so we've been talking about overcoming, pros, uh, overcoming, <laughs> come on, Lord, help me, overcoming poverty mentality. Has that been helpful to anyone so far? The Lord, the Lord will begin to point things out in your life that says you're accepting poverty in your life. You're accepting poverty in your life. And this can do with your living conditions, the, the conditions of your vehicle. Now, I'm not saying live beyond where you're at, but I'm saying be excellent in what you have. If all you have is a hoopty, wash it. You know what I'm saying? If all you have is a, is a rundown vehicle, clean it. Wash it. D- take care of things. L- do, do, do it right. There's a... There's a mentality that people have when it comes to living in squalor and they accept it. It just becomes this thing where you accept worse than living conditions, worse than working conditions, worse, worse than living conditions. It was so crazy. So we were driving back from Ohio and up in the east, they get a lot of snow and they spread salt on their roads. Not like they do here because of the lakes and stuff, but they spread salt. And what happens to a vehicle if salt sits on metal? Does anyone know? Rust it. It will literally consume it. And I can't tell you how many vehicles I passed on the interstate <coughs> that the whole side was just eaten, completely rusted away. I'm talking like the, like the, all that was holding on this one panel was the lid to the gas tank. That was the only thing that was holding on this quarter panel. There was this, there was this red Ford F-250 with like a box on the back that has like the doors and the whole bottom half of all of those doors were rusted open. So he couldn't put anything in it. And, and you understand that rust doesn't do that overnight. It takes a very long time. I don't have the numbers for the oxidation of salt on metal. I apologize. I don't have those numbers for you. But next week, Ben will get them. That's what he said. Uh, but it, it, it's not just something that happens in a day or two. It happens over years of time. How is it that salt can rest on the metal of a car long enough to, dis, to consume it? It hasn't been washed. Yeah. The ease, I'm talking about thousands of dollars of damage over the course of several years can be completely alleviated by a $3 car wash. $3. You know how I know that? Because I've been to a $3 car wash. I'm not saying it's a great one, but it'll wash the salt off the side of your car. Heck, you got a garden hose? Do you got a neighbor with a garden hose? That's even cheaper than $3. You understand the concept here? But what we're willing, but what happens is rust starts as a spot. Usually on, on trucks, it's on the, like the quarter panel or the rockers, the part under the door or the corner in the bottom. It just starts there, and it's, it's tiny. <coughs> it's little bitty. So how does it go from that to rotting out the entire side of a pickup truck? They ignore it, and they accept it. Well, that's just what happens to trucks in the east. I grew up in Nebraska. 
okay? My dad was a trucker, and in the yard where he rode a truck, they had a Ford truck, a Ford F-250 that they used for the salt truck for the yard. It had a plow, and they would put salt in the back of this truck, and then they would spread that. And in the course of about, I don't know, seven, eight years, the bed was literally eaten away. It was so bad that when we brought the truck down to Missouri to the ranch, we had to rip the bed off and put a new one on. It takes time. They, didn't, they just left the salt in the truck all year round. They never took it out. So it just ate through it. Now, does it take time to take the salt out of the bed to wash and rinse it out? Or does it take time to invest in a bed liner so it doesn't do that? Yes. Does it take time out of your day to wash your truck so salt doesn't eat it away? Absolutely. So why don't we do it? This is what I'm talking about. Is it, Rust starts as a tiny, tiny spot. And do you know that you can take care of that? It's not hard. I mean, <coughs> it's not hard if you know what you're doing. <laughs> but you have to remove the rust. You have to patch it. You have to paint it. And you have to seal it so it doesn't get water or salt in there again. Now you can pay to have this done. Or you can have someone do it. Or you can clean it and take care of it. But, but it starts that way, and it, gr and it can grow over the course of many years. That when we accept a small thing like that, it's the same mentality to accept the whole side of the truck being rusted out. It's no different. What about your what about your house? Okay? Do you have leaky pipe under your sink? Well, it's just a little leak. Okay, so I worked in I worked in water restoration for a while, okay? And we had there was a um, a large factory. You guys would know the place, but I don't think I'm actually allowed to say what happened or where it was. Um, and there was it had an under the sink hot water heater, an instant water heater. You know what that is? Cold water comes in, it's a unit that's like this big, it processes hot water, and it sends it to the sink. And the feed line <coughs> for the cold water to the sink had a small crease in it and was dripping, okay? Now, we found this out through investigation. And the hot water heater was sitting on the bottom of this vanity, and it was made out of particle board. Now, particle board is very, very absorbent, okay? It is pretty strong unless it gets wet. And so we don't know how long, I'm assuming <coughs> months and months, I apologize, <coughs> sorry, months and months, but eventually what happened was the bottom of that vanity, the structural integrity began to weaken, it rotted out and it fell, the hot water heater fell through it in the middle of the night and snapped all of the lines and spread three inches of water over the course of about 10 hours or about six hours, all, no one was in the factory when this happened. It happened late in the middle of the night. So we get a call the next day to the restoration company saying our entire factory has three inches of water on the floor from one drip. It, it, it's, it's a $12 feed line. It's a $12 feed line. You shut the main off, you detach it, you put the new one on, and then you're ready to go. As a po and so what happened was we had to go into the building. We had to suck all the water out, remove all the water. We had to do what's called 24-inch flood cuts. It's where you cut 24 inches up from the floor around the whole building. Remove all the drywall, and it was metal studs. And at the bottom of a metal stud, it looks like a U. So there was water sitting in that because the drywall absorbed the water and dropped it into it. So we had to suck all the water out of that. Now, 
The water's been dripping in the back of that sink for months and months. So you know what grows in Missouri when there's more than 65% humidity? Mold. Lots of it. So mold, all the whole back side of that vanity, when we pulled it out and all the cabinets, now there's black mold. <coughs> so this job just was elevated from a class one to a class three. So now we have to wear hazmat gear and now we have to charge hazard pay because we're in an environment where it's hazardous for our health. Okay, so then it, there's, there's additional things we have to take to, to remediate the mold. And since the mold's been in there for more than six months, we have to pay a company to come in and pump out the industrial HVAC system because mold has gotten into the HVAC. Okay, we have to tear up all the linoleum flooring because mold has gotten under the linoleum flooring. And I'm talking thousands of square feet. They're without the warehouse for over a month. It cost lots of money, tens upon tens upon tens upon tens upon tens upon tens of thousands of dollars just to do the tear out. That doesn't include the build back. Over a $12 part. Over $12. Now, Micah, what if they didn't see it? I understand that. But there's cleaning supplies under that cabinet. Someone saw something and just ignored it. That's someone else's job. That's, that's a, I'll get it later. One of the key things to understand someone who, who, who has an acceptance for, for bad things is I'll, I'll just, I'll get to it later. Uh, putting it off. I'll do it later. I, I'm, I'm telling you like lot, so much time, money, and resources over a $12 part. So, I mean, we had to, we had to, we had to subcontract. They had an industrial HVAC system. That's not like, I'm talking large units. So we literally had to subcontract a truck. This truck has a vacuum pump built into it. They had to drive out and they had to pump out the HVAC for five hours. That, that one bill alone, just them. I'm talking thousands of dollars for one. That's one small part of this. And all of it could have been avoided over a little diligence and over a little observance and spending $12 on a new part. That's it. It was a $12 feed line. And it caused hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of damage. I, 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 it's important for us to examine our own lives. What are we accepting? What, what is... What are we accepting in our own lives, on our cars, on our vehicles, in our jobs? Again, don't live beyond your means, but just like instead of buying the $3 car wash, you can, you can go to a garden hose. And if you don't have one, come to my house. I have a garden hose. You can rinse your car off at my house. That's totally fine. If, if you really had an understanding of living in provision instead of poverty, you would operate in excellence with what you do have. Because the Lord says if you'll be faithful with little, you can be faithful with much. And so many times we're striving to be in a position where we can have much, but we, we are living in squalor with the little that we have now. I want you to go to Matthew 26, 14 through 30. And actually, let's just start at 29 here. Okay, I want you to put your simplicity minds on right here. I just want to read this one verse. Just, just listen to me talk about this for a second. 
I'm going to paraphrase a little bit, okay? For those that have, more will be given. And those that don't have, what they do have will be taken away. Now, I have kids, and they're all about being fair. That's not fair. You got six M&Ms, and I only got five, okay? In the world of fairness, does this sound fair? Those that have, more will be given. Those that don't have, what they do have will be taken away. Does that sound fair? No. It doesn't sound fair. So why is it in here? I've actually heard unbelievers quote this verse and say, this is a reason why I don't believe the Bible, because it's just so Christians can get rich. Well, stop your yapping and read the verse in context. Let's start at verse 14. I'm going to read from the ESV. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents. And if I say talents, you guys know what that is? Money. Okay? Okay? For, for the sake of terms, we're going to say thousand, just for the definition of it. So 5,000, that, does that make, make sense? I'm not saying a talent is equal to a thousand, but just to put it in modern day's terms so we can kind of understand. To one he gave five thousand dollars. To one he gave two and to another he gave one thousand so five thousand say five thousand say two thousand say one thousand to each according to his ability so there's some understanding here on what these guys are capable of they've they've proven something because he says he's given it to them according to their ability so they've shown some ability in something right they didn't they started at zero and now one's at five one's at two and one's at one So there's been some ability shown. Does that make sense? They have some acumen in the area of finance. Okay? He who had received five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. You might say that he went and invested it. Okay? He traded it on the stock market, and he took his $5,000. He traded it over 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 an amount of time. He said, but he said he did it. How quickly did he do it? At once. As soon as he got it, the first thing he did was start making the money work. Okay? He went and invested it, and, and over a course of, we don't know how long, later on it says after a long time the master returned, so we don't know how long it was, but it was an amount of time, and he, made, he, he, he invested the money, and he made 5000 more. So he turned the 5 into 10. Okay? Verse 17, So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. We're assuming that he did similar things that the one with five did. So he had two talents, he had 2,000, and now he has 4,000. But the one who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid the master's money. So what did he do with it? Jack. Yeah, he had nothing. He did absolutely nothing with it. He dug a hole and he hid it. He put it away. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled the counts with him. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you, de- you delivered me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. 
I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who has the two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to, uh, to me two talents here. I have made two talents more. The master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and went and hid your talents in the ground. Here I have what is yours. But the master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and that gathered where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So he said, he basically blamed the master saying, You're mean and I was afraid of you. So I hid it. And he goes, you're stupid and you're lazy. You could have at least put it in a savings account with like a 4% or 1.4% return. So I would have at least gotten the $1,000 with the interest. That's way better than putting it in the ground. You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I, oh, sorry, verse 28. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents. For to everyone who has will more be given. And he who have, he who, and he will have an abundance, but from the one who has not, even that he, ha even that, even what he has will be taken away and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness in the place where, where there will be reaping and gnashing of teeth. He took what the unfaithful guy did nothing with and gave it to the guy that had the most. So this is where the verse comes. It says, he who has more will be giving who, who doesn't have very much. It'll be taken away. He's talking about diligence. He's talking about a mindset of someone who understands provision over poverty. I wrote some things down and I want to, I want to cover a couple. An attitude of, of someone with a poverty mentality. They have an expectation of just getting by. This is, this is attributes of a poverty mentality. An expectation of just getting by, meaning you get comfortable with only having enough and sometimes less than. You actually become skilled and prideful at your ability to get by, at your craftiness to sell things on Facebook, to make deals, to do certain things, to get certain things just so you can get by. It's an, it's an air of arrogance about you. You're, you're comfortable living in less than ideal conditions. Like I'm talking about the leaky sink, the vehicle that's with the rust spot, right? The hole in the, in the floor. L listen, there's a lot of people who live in trailers and they say, well, you know, I just live in a trailer. I have, I have li I've been in, lived in a lot of trailers in my life. And I can tell you, you can make them very, very nice. Actually, some of one of the night when I used to work for Nielsen, I used to travel all over Missouri, Illinois, Oklahoma, and Arkansas and Kansas, visiting people to see if they wanted to participate in the ratings. And I, the, the amount of times I walked up to a house and I thought, oh, this is going to be nice inside because it's in a nice neighborhood. It's all a nice cul-de-sac where there's an HOA and manicured lawns. And when I walked inside and had to control my desire to gag. The outside of the house does not represent the care of the inside. I'm talking animals defecating in the house because the homeowners are willing to live in it. And, and I've, I've been in some, I'm talking like trailer parks where you're like, 
I, I, maybe, I, maybe I shouldn't be here because you're not sure what's going to open the door and you go inside and it's the, she had, this girl had four German shepherds and I couldn't find any hair in her house. I've been in houses where I've visited people and I've sat on their couch talking and I get up and I have to like brush all the hair off of me. She had four German shepherds in this single wide trailer and I couldn't find a hair in it. It's, the, it's, it's one of the cleanest houses I've ever been in in my two years of doing this job. And it was in this rough, I'm saying rough trailer park. Gravel roads, like potholes everywhere. Everyone's got like their main car and the car that they're working on. This was the only, the only this trailer park, this trailer and this trailer park, the deck worked. There was no, there was no board sticking up. The gate for the dogs worked. It wasn't, it wasn't the Ritz Carlton, but they were taking care of what they had. They, they might have been in a position of poverty, but they weren't living like it. They weren't living beyond their means, but they were taking care of what they had. I, I literally like, it's, it, it, it completely changed my perspective because like the week before I had visited the really nice house in the cul-de-sac when I walked inside and like there's little like animal feces there and the whole family did like this is just a thing. Like they have a room in their house and that's where the animals use the bathroom. I'm not, I'm not trying to judge people, but there's a mentality of, of accepting a position that you, they're, they're not honoring what they have. They're not being faithful with what they have. As opposed to this, this young couple, she, she actually ran a cleaning company. That's what she did. That was her full-time job. It was her own business. And she wanted her house to be a representation of who she was and the business she had. And it was, I mean, I'm telling you, it's, I would live there. It was so nice. I don't know that I would go outside of the trailer, but I would live in the trailer. It was so, it was the nicest trailer I've ever been in my entire life. There's, there's a level of understanding of what you will and will not accept. Another, another attitude or attribute of someone with a poverty mentality is things break and you just accept it. That's the way it is. Have you ever, have you ever driven by a house and there's like a tire swing and there's supposed to be three ropes, but one of them is just snapped? And so now the tires hanging vertically on two ropes. Well, they can use it that way. I, I've literally visited some. I've li- I've visited a, a, someone who lived in a trailer, and there was a hole in the floor. A hole, like you could see into the ground. And and in the winter time, they just put a board over it and a blanket. Wow. They de- they never tried to fix it. Another attribute, uh, let, me, let me stay on this one a little bit. <laughs> I, don't, I'm, I, really, I really want to make sure I'm being clear and saying I'm not judging you for having things in your house that are broken. I understand that th- fixing things takes money. But you have the ability to, to, to clean things, to make things better, to reach out. There are tons of resources for you. There, there's literally people giving away scrap wood all the time. Okay? We have places in town where you can go and get things. Is it perfect? No. But will it fix it? Yes. There's a menta- we have to have the mentality of taking care of what we do have. If you want, if you want, the, the, if you want to have the much, you have to be faithful with the little. little. That's, what, that's, what I, that's truly what I believe would happen with that warehouse. If someone saw that leaky feed line and just thought, well, whatever. I don't have time for this. or It'll, it'll, it'll be fine. We're still getting water to the sink. It's acceptable. And they didn't realize that 
six months later, they were going to be sending over over $100,000 to have a company come in and fix everything. You understand what I'm saying? Like, how long do you go if, like, one of your taillights gets out in your vehicle? How many times do you have to get pulled over before you fix it? And if you didn't get pulled over, would you ever fix it? Okay? <laughs> Got a little few more chuckles with that one. <laughs> Just don't, don't, don't like raise your hand. Just look straight ahead. It's like, yeah, that's, that's bad, Pastor Micah. That, who, I don't know who would ever do something like that. Right? Those people are crazy. Yeah, a, a bulb at O'Reilly's is like $6. Just so, and if you guys, well, it depends on the car. That's fair. And if you need help, there's, I know people who can help you put it in if you don't know how to do it. Okay, just come talk to me after service. And I will be watching you all pull away today. Just so you know, you're all leaving. No, I'm just messing. I'm just messing. <laughs> It's this mentality, right? Are you going to fix it? Do do the sinks in your house, like when you turn the water on, is there so much calcium built up around it that the water doesn't even come out? Okay? Well, I need to buy a new faucet and I don't have money. Okay? Take vinegar and put it in a baggie and put it over the sink. It cleans it. Heats up the calcium. Does it make it perfectly and brand new and shiny chrome? No. But does it work? Does it work the way it's supposed to? Yes. Listen, this isn't Micah's tips to clean your house, but I'm just saying, I'm just saying you can do things in excellence. You can do things above. Don't just accept it because that's the way that it is. That, that's, that's a poverty mentality. If something breaks, fix it or get rid of it. Do not let your kids play with broken toys. Do not let your children, I mean, Sometimes when they break them, they like them better. Like they t- pull a dolly off of a horse, they enjoy them. I'm saying like if you've got a race car and one of the wheels is falling off, throw the thing away or fix it. Micah, that seems such like a not a big deal. You're setting an expectation for your children. They're setting an expectation. If you have the ability, fix it or, or get rid of it. If you have things in your house... Well, that's, you know, that's, that's that old printer of mine. You know, you got to whack it sometimes and you got to shake it. And you got to pull the thing out and put it back in. And sometimes it prints. Get rid of it. Okay. Like just don't, just don't get so emotionally attached to a thing because it's got you where you are today. If it's, if it's ruined, if it's not good, if it doesn't work well, fix it or remove it. Don't just accept living in poverty conditions. If something breaks, Fix it or get rid of it. Or, 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 or make it something into working or, or in, a, in a good order, at least. I know there's some very, very smart people. My, I have an uncle, and he, like, something breaks with something, and he turns it into something else, and, and it works. I, I, he's, he's like an engineer. He's really, really smart. So that's okay. If you can figure out a good quality way to use something, do it. But don't just accept squalor. Another attribute of someone that lives with a poverty mentality is one of two things. Any extra money that comes in, they figure out how to spend it because they don't know how long they're going to have it. Or they're like the man in the parable and they just hide it and they hoard it. But it's usually the former, not the latter. It's tax season. What are we going to spend it on? It's amazing to me when I worked in retail, how many people with a car, with a broken headlight, and a donut would come in and drop $1,200 on new cell phones. 
boggled my mind. The car is the thing that gets them to the place where they can work, how they get their food, how they get their family around, but they're dropping $1,200 on new phones because they don't have any credit, so they have to pay a deposit, and then another three or $400 on accessories. Do you, want to, you, want, you know why that is? Because it feels good. They, 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 still, they don't like their situation, so they need something that makes them feel better, so new technology makes them feel better. Or, or new clothing makes them feel better. Or whatever the situation is. The car, the car still has the donut. It's the catalytic converter is dragging on the ground, and it's got one headlight, but they're dropping almost $2,000 on unnecessary things. Micah, people need a phone. Yep, we had $20 phones. We had twenty. We had we had, you had prepaid phones. You got a free flip phone, and it cost fifteen dollars a month. The no deposit. It's prepaid. And then you can spend the other two thousand dollars <laughs> fixing your car up. I can promise you that car didn't pass inspection. Expect inspection. So at some point they're going to be driving illegally. They'll get a ticket for it, and then they have no money to pay the ticket. But they got the money in, so they need to figure out what they need to spend it on. Instead of, and instead of investing it in things in their life, in their car, in their house, making things of excellence, paying off bills, they do something that's instant gratification. That, that is another attribute of someone who lives in a poverty mentality. They're always aware of how little money they have, and they almost brag about it. We're poor, but we're proud. Like we said before, God can deliver you from both. Yeah. Both you can be healed from. It's, all, it's almost like they, it's, it's a, this goes on with the first one, that they have an expectation of just getting by. It's almost a point of pride. It's almost a point of like, you know, I, I took those two old cars, and, I'm, and I got one three-wheeled thing that drives me to town. Like, look what I did. And I'm not trying to say, like, people, like, hillbilly engineering is a real thing. Like, I am the benefactor of that. I understand that. But, but it's almost like they brag about how, much, brag about how little they have, or, or, or it's not good to talk about money, or they're ashamed to talk about things. And it's almost like it's this category where we just hide it, or it but we're proud about it because we don't have it. I understand. It's all kinds of messed up. And then, and then most things in their life revolve around getting money. Well, we can't do anything because we hadn't got the check in yet. Social Security hasn't come in yet. You know, we hadn't got our, we hadn't got the, we hadn't got our, our government checks in. I don't get paid till Friday. Again, I'm not telling you to live outside of your means, but we, we said this a couple weeks ago. Your job, those checks from, from government, Entities are one of many channels the Lord can and will use to get funds into your hand. Depending on your ability to believe and and be faithful with what he's already given you. But when you're only when you when you're in this mentality of, of poverty, you have all, all of these things going on and 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 you're just you're just living for the next check. That's all you're doing. And it's this, it's this cyclical thing. It's rinse, wash, and repeat. Rinse, wash, and repeat. Rinse, wa- Never striving to be anything better than where you are now. Except this is, this is just our life. Baby, I, I know you want that new toy, but we just can't afford it. And we probably won't ever. And the, context, the context is like, we'll, we'll never, you're never going to get that new toy. You're never going to get those new clothes. You just accept hand-me-downs. I wore my brother's jeans for like half of my life. Like I understand that. 
We had seven, there were seven kids in my family. I don't know how, I know how much it is to feed two kids. I can't imagine trying to feed seven, okay? My parents did a good job, though. When we were going to church, no holes in the jeans, shirt tucked in. You might have had, a, you might, we might have had one nice shirt, but it was ironed and it was tucked in, okay? We didn't have a lot, but what we did have, we took care of because my parents insisted upon it. And I'm glad that they did. It, it, it's, we have to break that cycle of thinking. And you can think, well, I don't think in a, in a impoverished way. I, I think that's great if you've overcome most of these, but you need to examine your life and make sure we're not accepting less than good living conditions. Make sure we're not, and again, it has nothing to do, don't get into debt trying to, to fix up your house. Don't get into debt trying to fix your car. S- start where you are. Ask the Lord for money to sow and sow into the areas that you need fixed. If you need, if you need vehicle repairs done, sow and ask the Lord for money. You get five extra dollars, right? You work, you get a tip, you find cash on the road. Don't eat the seed, sow it. Lord, Lord, where's good ground for me to sow this into? Well, so-and-so is believing for new tires. Lord, new tires cost hundreds of dollars. What's $5 going to do? Listen, it's seed in the ground. And if you can be faithful with that, you'll begin to see things come into your life to fix. He, 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 the Lord doesn't want us living in poverty conditions. He doesn't want us to accept those things. And he is so happy to help us come up and come out of that situation if we're willing to put in some work. And I'm talking about believing, sowing, putting in money. Work an extra hour than the, hour, than the money you make from that hour. Sow it. Sow it towards whatever it is. Believe for, the, believe for the harvest. Believe for things to come in so you can come up from where you are. It has no, I've, told, I've said this so many times. It has, it has nothing to do with how much money you have. It has everything to do with how much access and ability we have to do what God wants us to do. Because what, what I can tell you, poverty mentality is constantly aware of oneself. Always. It is always focused on yourself. Always. On, on me and my family, on getting by, my car, my job, my house, not enough. It is so self-centeredly focused. You have no idea that you and your life and your existence has become your idol. It's the thing that you worship more than anything else. Well, Mike, I've never worshipped myself. Yeah, but if you focus on yourself more than anything else, that's a form of worship. Where your attention lies is what you're worshipping. We have to change our thought process around these things. Because God can get us to a place where we're able to impact other people's lives. As a church and as individuals, we bought a car for someone last week. We bought them a car. You understand that? Like, they don't have a car payment. It was paid for. We bought them a car. We went to the dealership. We gave them the money. We drove the car and we gave it to the person. Could we do that without money? No, you can't do that without money. That, see, if we, if we can get beyond focus on ourselves and our lives and what we need and what we have, and we can get beyond the mentality of living in poverty and living and just getting by and living enough, we can actually do some things for the Lord. We can actually invoke change in people's life, radical change in people's lives. I'm saying their life was on a path that a very slow forward moving path and it was accelerated massively by this one thing. I I would like to give lots of cars throughout my lifetime. 
I would love that. But what, what would that take? One person knows. What would it take to buy lots of cars? Money. I'm not focused on having money. I'm focused on doing what God wants me to do. But we have to get over the poverty mentality aspect of things. Amen? Would you like to hear some attributes of someone who has a prosperity mentality? I want to define prosperity for you. It is not only money. It includes it. It, it, is, it is what encompasses the Greek word for salvation, which is the word sozo. Healed, whole, well, preserved. That's what the word prosperity means. It means lacking nothing in any area of your life. Spiritually, physically, financially, professionally, emotionally, all the other leeways. There's no area in your life that you're lacking. Prosperity is, a, is an income. If you, were have, if you took your life and you, and you put it on a, on a blackboard or whatever and said, this is all that my life, everything on that board would be successful. That's what the word prosperity means. I know that we hear the word prosperity and the only thing that people see is dollar signs. That's, not, it, that's such a small part of what prosperity is. Okay? A, a prosperity attitude, a prosperity men mentality, you have an expectation of having more than enough. Meaning if you have some money and the Lord says, I want you to give it, you don't think about, oh, am I going to be able to pay that bill? Am I going to be able to do this thing? Well, I need this money for that thing. You just give it. Because you have an expectation of more than enough. Meaning if God asks you to do something, it doesn't matter if you can see where the next money is coming from. It could come from a hundred different channels. Maybe that's your job. Maybe it's a stranger on the seat. Maybe someone in a couple states away says she's been praying your name. She doesn't even know who you are. Now she needs to give you $100,000 just to bring up some kind of weird, crazy example. Maybe that's something that happens. Okay? God, God if, you, if you have an expectation of having more than enough, it does not freak you out when God asks you to give. And the great thing is, is God will start you out where you are. $5, $2, $1, $20. He'll start, be intentional about this. I, I, I think I said this a couple weeks ago. When you get paid, take 10, 15 bucks out and say, okay, Lord, whatever you want me to do with this, I'll do with it. And endeavor to be led and then just give it. And you'll watch that grow. That 15 will turn to 20, it'll turn to 40, it'll turn to 50, it'll turn to a couple hundred. In the church I grew up in, we called it a peel-off roll. You just had a roll of money that was specifically for giving to people. Would you like that? Would you like to have hundreds of dollars in your pocket to give, give to people as the Lord directs? That's, that's having an expectation of having more than enough. That, it's, it's, it's a mindset change. Does that make sense? A, a, a prosperity mentality does not settle for broken or inadequate things or equipment does not settle for, for broken or inadequate things or equipment. It has nothing to do with being, you know, bougie or prideful or I don't eat at the fanciest restaurants. It has nothing to do with that. But it has an understanding of that when God... So we just drove from Colorado. We drove to Colorado, drove back, drove to Pennsylvania, drove to Ohio, and drove home. What do we need to be able to do that? A good car. Yeah, okay, a, a vehicle that, can, we, it was 4,000 miles total. When we got home last night, it, it was right around 4,000 miles, maybe 10, 15 miles in five days or seven days, whatever it was, 4,000 miles. You need a good car, a good piece of equipment to be able to do that, right? 
It is is not settling for broken or inadequate equipment. Again, start where you are. If your car won't make it across town, I understand. One of my first cars was a 1978 Volvo E240. It was a refrigerator. It went like this, and like this, and like this, and like this. It was painted, like the badge on the door, it was painted dirt brown. That was the color of the car from the manufacturer, was dirt brown. Sometimes it would just stop working. Like you would be driving it up and down the hills in the backwoods of Missouri, and the whole thing it would just pow, shut down. All the lights would go off, and, and you were just stuck there for 20 to 30 minutes, and then it would start again. I still have no idea why it did that. I don't know if it was a grounding issue. I was young. I was 14 or 15, 16 years old. I have no idea why it did that. Okay? And then later on, I had a, 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 a 1986 Ford Mustang, a Fox body. Don't be too impressed. It had a, a V4 engine from a Pinto in it. It had a four-cylinder <laughs> Pinto engine in it. And the exhaust manifold broken, so I JB welded the exhaust manifold back on. So every time you started it, the car would just smell like JB weld. I, 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 I've, I, I've had these things before. I understand. Like the Lord has taught me just like he's teaching you. But the thing is, is we're not there anymore. We've sown in my in my lifetime, including this most recent one, I've sown three and a half vehicles. I say half because they paid partially for what it was. Does that make sense? That's not bragging on me, but I've also received three. I've had three vehicles, one, two, three. I've had four vehicles given to me. One of them was nice, <laughs> but it was equal to the seed that I had sown. Does that make sense? But we've come up from there. We have an expectation. When, when things break, if we have the ability to do so, we, we fix them. We, we repair them. We don't just run things up and down the road until they die. I've done that before. I, did that to, I had a Jeep, and that's what I did to it. The, the thermostat that sat on the front of the block, and this may not make sense, it's what controls the water that goes in and out of the engine to keep the engine cool. The, bolt, the, the thermostat was a $12 piece, when I was, and I needed to replace it because the actuator was busted in it. And when I took it off, the bolt broke off in the block. And I didn't know anything about tapping bolts. I didn't know that was something you could do. And so I just drove it. Surprisingly, it lasted like six months. Like no water in the engine. Like just, I had to get back and forth to work. Anyways, not, I'm not saying do that. I'm saying don't do that. Okay? I now know more than I did then. I was young, ignorant teenager. But the mentality is that we have we have an expectation of good quality equipment. If something breaks or stops working, they fix it, replace it, or remove it. Don't allow poverty to consume your life. Don't allow broken, less than, inadequate things to, to in, in, invade your life. An attitude of someone who has a prosperity mentality is that they are a free giver. In fact, they, they give more than they do anything else. As the Lord directs, things in your house, like you you get excited to give. Like it's a constant, it, it would not be, it would not be out of the ordinary for you to go in your house and you survey what you have and pick out two or three things to give to someone. 
Even if you don't know, they just go in your car and go, when I, I, the Lord's going to, we, this, this isn't me banging us. Becky had this sweater that was given to her. It's super nice, but he goes, Micah, this isn't my sweater. I can't wear it. We're supposed to sew it. We literally took it with us to Colorado and that wasn't it. So we took it to Pennsylvania and that wasn't it. And so we took it to Ohio and we found the person we were supposed to give it to in Ohio. Okay. So I carried this sweater around. It went in three different time zones over the course of like three days. It was a special sweater. Yeah, that's right. It, 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 a free giver. You look at things in your house and think, is there something someone could use this? Is, is someone believing for something that I have? Can I be used to, to answer someone's prayers? Can I, do I have something that will, that will answer someone's prayers, that will fill a need that someone has? I have seven pairs of shoes. Some people only have one. Can I give someone a pair of shoes? They're a free giver. You look at the items and things in your house, even if they're worth a lot of money, even if they're valuable, as opportunities to bless and to love on others. That doesn't mean you have to give everything away. That means you're freely willing to give what you have. And they give the best things. You don't, you don't just go through your house and go, okay, do I put it in the trash? Do I give it to the thrift store? Or do I sew it? Don't do that. The word says you'll reap in kind. So if you sow trash, what are you going to reap? Like if you were going to throw it away, but you think, well, so-and-so lives in a trailer park, maybe they could use this. There's a lot of wrong stuff going on there, okay? (laughs) There's some pride going on there. There's some bad mentality. Just don't sow that seed. That's bad seed to sow, okay? A free giver is someone who sows good quality things. That means you go and you buy something new and you give it away. When, when someone gives you something, you don't just automatically think this is mine for me to enjoy. You go, Lord, is this mine or is this seed? Because again, we're trying to come up out of a, out of a situation of poverty. We're trying to come up out of a situation for not having enough and we've been sowing. So now we're starting to reap something. But understand, you can be reaping seed. The word says that he will give seed to the sower. Are you a sower? That was weak. Are you a sower? So will God give you seed? So when things come in, you have to figure out, listen, if you're, if you, let, let's say your favorite thing to eat is tomatoes. That's your favorite thing in the whole, whole wide world to eat is tomatoes. And someone gives you a tomato, one tomato. You can eat a tomato now, or you can dry that tomato out and grab all the seeds and plant these. And now you have a dozen tomato plants and you'll get hundreds of tomatoes. Do you understand that? You can eat the tomato and enjoy it now, or you can plant it and enjoy tomatoes for years to come. You understand what I'm saying? Sometimes the Lord will bring you seed and it's not for you to consume. It's for you to sow. So when you receive things, ask the Lord, is this mine or is this seed? Prosperity mentality is, is a, you're a free and joyful, joyful giver. You think to yourself, I'm going to give in a quality that's higher than what I would expect. I'm not saying you, if give where you are. Cain and Abel, okay, they, he gave his best. He went and found the purest, healthiest sheep he had and offered it. You understand? This, this is our mindset. When we're sowing, we want to sow in excellence. That's, that's the mentality of, of someone who, who lives in a realm of, of prosperity. The mindset of prosperity is that you are a free, excellent giver. We, as Christians, we should be known for our generosity and the quality of our generosity. You, you don't sow broken things. Don't, hey, I want to I give you this blender, but the, the left side, you kind of got to jam in there. And you, you see that duct tape? Leave that on there. Otherwise, it won't work. Don't sow that. 
Put it in the bin. Okay? I'm not trying to condemn anyone. I'm not trying to come against anyone. If, if it's your best, sow your best. Sometimes your best is not good. Okay? I understand that. Sow quality good things. Put good seed into the ground. Like I said, the first several car, like the first car I ever sowed was that Volvo, and it wasn't running when I sowed it. Okay? So it's not exactly, it is some kind of seed. Yes. It is car ish seed. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it, the guy that I sold it to fixed it, fixes cars up and gives them to like veterans. And so I'm sure it went to a good home or maybe he parted it out. I'm not really sure, but I, I got given a vehicle from that and it was a car that kind of ran. So that was a step up. You know what I'm saying? That actually ended up being that Jeep that I had that I ended up driving into the ground and I sold it to a buddy for a really, for less than what it was worth. So that was another seed. So then I got given the Mustang after that. It was a better car, but it only had this, the four-cylinder Pinto engine in it because my mom had blown it up when we lost oil in it. Anyways, it doesn't matter. Long story. We came home from vacation. There was no oil in the engine. It went kaboom. Okay? But, then, but after, after putting some seed in the ground, I eventually got given a really nice truck. It was a, like a Chevy S10. It was a GMC version, so it's called a Sonoma. And it was painted, ras- it, the badge in the door was called Raspberry Delight. It was like a hot pink truck. And it was my favorite vehicle I've ever owned. I really enjoyed that truck. It was a five-speed. It was a good quality vehicle. But it, it took t- I didn't go from the crusty Volvo to that truck. That was six, seven years. You understand what I'm saying? So, so give where you're at, but have an expectation of coming up. Does that make sense? And if you have nice things, don't sow the crap. Don't sow the garbage, especially that situation, okay? If you, if you have a, an understanding or a mentality of living in a world of prosperity, you are a free and excellent giver. If extra money comes in, you seek the Lord on what to do with it. That's what I talked about. When, when seed comes in, you don't just eat it. You ask the Lord, is this for me to enjoy or is this seed? Or like let's say 100 bucks comes in. Okay, Lord, is some of this for me? Is some of this for us, someone else? I remember the first time this happened to me, I was believing for every pay every every amount of money I didn't yeah I did not have enough money to do the things I was trying to do and I got given a hundred dollars and I was getting ready to walk out of the church and the Lord said that's not your money I said okay what do you want me to do with it he said give it to that guy over there and you know what I did I didn't give it to him I know terrible but thankfully the Holy Spirit got a hold of me and I literally chased him down as he was walking away and I gave him the money okay it wasn't mine to have. It was mine. It was he was giving. The guy, here's what's cool about this. When you're believing to come up where you are, you need to put seed into the ground. But how do you sow something you don't have? That's why the word said he will give seed to the sower, right? So I, had, I didn't have any seed in the ground. The guy that gave me the money, God could have told him to give it to the other dude directly. But the Lord got me involved so I would now have seed in the ground. Do you understand how awesome that is? So now I have part a seed in the ground and I have harvest coming to me because of my willingness and obedience to that. If you're believing God to come up from where you are, look for these things. People will start, if you're sowing, you'll start to reap. But understand, sometimes you're reaping the seed that you should be sowing. They look at money as, they look at money and provision as a tool to further God's plan for your life. That's what it is. Money, equipment, houses, do we, are we allowed to enjoy them? Absolutely. Unequivocally, yes. But it's a tool. 
all, all the money you have, all the provision that comes into your life is a tool for you to use to further God's plan for your life. All of it is. Everything you have is a tool that God can use. This goes right along with being a free giver, right? Everything you, you, you look, that's, that's the, one of the biggest things about changing your mentality around money is, is what it's for. Like what, what is money for? Why do we have it? What is it for? What is the house you have for? What is the car you have for? And if your mentality is it's for me and only for me, you just need to just do a little correction there. It is all the tool that God can and will use to further his plan for your life, to further the kingdom. Like you need a, we needed a nice car to go to Colorado to minister to my cousins and go to Pennsylvania to minister to her family and go to Ohio to minister to some other people. We needed a good car for that. Okay? 4,000 miles in 10 days, whatever it was. Okay? We needed a good quality piece of equipment to do that. I look at that vehicle out there as a tool, as a tool to be used for whatever God asked me to use it for. Does that make sense? It's, it's, a, it's a, a, stepping, a step above just getting by. It's, an, it's more than just a step above that. But it's above just getting by. It's understanding that what we have is, is a tool. It's a use. It, it, there's, what, I, what I want to try to convey there is that there's such freedom in what we have. It should be a revolving door of funds and things and equipment that we're giving and getting and sowing and receiving. Uh, if one individual could get a hold of this where they're giving and receiving good quality funds equipment things one person and they're always sowing where god tells them to sow and receiving what they need to receive so that they can sow think about the people in that person's life the people that that one person can impact maybe they start off small maybe it's 20 bucks here well, 20 bucks is pretty great. You can eat a meal for that. You can get some gas for that. You can get some snacks. You can go to the movies. That, then that turns into hundreds of dollars. Now, now you can pay for someone's electric. Mm-hmm. Now you can help pay off someone's house payment. That turns, that turns into $500, $1,000. Now you're paying people's house payments, car payments, yeah. right? Now you're, now you're paying off you know, due balances on people's credit cards bills. That turns to five thousand dollars. Now you're just wiping people's debt out, right? Now you now you can buy a car for five thousand dollars. It might not be great, but it's better than nothing, right? Now now you now you've sown some cars, so you're getting some cars, right? And now you're at tens of thousands of dollars. Now you're buying vehicles. You're paying off debts. You're you're sowing vehicles to people, and and everyone you encounter has an experience with the Lord, because they had a need. They've been believing. They've been sowing. And now they receive. And now that person is doing the same thing the first person was doing. What happens if one person can get a hold of this? Do you know that you can actually sow a house to someone? Maybe not today, but one day. And the focus isn't on how much we need. It's how much the world needs God. And we're supposed to be a representation of who he is. 
You were given your salvation freely. It didn't cost you anything. Jesus came and gave it to you for free. Right? You, you were made righteous at no cost to yourself. It cost him everything. But it didn't cost you anything. If you can give freely, you will receive freely. Understand, we have to just come up from the position that we are and, 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 and understand that our, our motive behind finances shouldn't be just paying our water bill. I understand. Listen, I'm, I, I've got it. I, I understand what it's like to be there. But we can come up from there. It, it, it starts with $5. It starts with $10. It starts with $20. But it doesn't, it doesn't stay there. If you'll faithfully give and when you receive, you seek, okay, Lord, is this seed? Is this for me? What, am I supposed to pay off debt with this? He will tell you and show you what you're supposed to do. And that turns into 20s and 100s and 500s and thousands of dollars and now all of a sudden you're out of debt freely giving to people who are in need who are in the same situation you were three years ago you're basically blazing a trail for believers to to be in a position to bless and multiply themselves on the earth that we can actually have an impact on people's lives i'll say it again i didn't come up with this but it's one of my favorite things christians are currently the only group of people who are convinced they're supposed to be poor while striving to not be Let's, 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 let's let the word be true. Let's not fight it anymore. Because that's what mom believed or grandma believed or sister believed or that's what I've seen or we've just done it this way from generation to generation. Well, yeah, how's that working out for you? God has so much for us, so much plan for us that we, that we, can, we can literally, when we go somewhere, we change it. This is actually what God has called us to do as a church. When we travel, when Becky and I travel or the team travels, he, we, are, we are required by the Lord to leave that place better than we found that. Every place that we've gone, we've invested in them, meaning we've bought equipment for them. Nancy spent hours and hours and hours at, at the Buck, Buckhead Baptist or Buckhead Life Church, excuse me, helping with their projection program. We invested in getting some different versions. Not, not we, the church. As a church, this is what we're doing. We invested in getting them more versions of the Bible so it was easier to do some things. We, we, we left it better than we found it. The place that we were just set up in Ohio, I'm actually flying out for like two days this weekend. They got blessed with some audio equipment. We're going to go set it all up. And if they need anything as a church, we're going to buy it. We're, so understand that as you sow into this ministry, this is what you're sowing into. We are, suppo- we are actually supposed to make a, 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 an imprint on everywhere that we go, not just as a church organization, but as individuals. We should leave places better than we found them. They should be increased from where they were when we got there. Why? Because what are we carrying with us? Who, 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 who are we representing, Right? Come on. I mean, if we're trying to tell people to come to Jesus, what better way to, to live in an example of prosperity and provision and actually affecting change in people's lives? You cannot be afraid of money. You also can't rely on it. It is just a tool. It's like water. You, you, what would, ben, what would happen if you just stopped drinking water? Eventually, what would happen? You die. You need we all need water to survive, right? It's like food. It is, it is a tool. It is what we use every day. No one doesn't 
not spend money every day? How did I, I got myself into a deep hole there? <laughs> no one does it not spend money per day. That was, don't write that down. That's not good. <laughs> every day you're spending money. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> no, can get a, a quote like a social media, Pastor Micah, no one does it not spend money per day. That's awesome. Praise the Lord. Every day, every day we're spending money. Every day. It's a tool that we use. It's what gives us access. It's what gives us ability. Let's, let's, let's use it to further the kingdom is all I'm trying to say about this. Let's, let's not be afraid of it. Let's not be prideful about it. Let's not get stuck focusing on it. It is what God can use. He, he, the channels he uses are our jobs. He uses the government. He uses programs. He uses refunds. He uses strangers coming up and giving you money. He uses people calling you that you've never met, sending you things. He, use, he, he has so much ability to get you what you need if you can do what he says to do with it when he tells you to do with it, release faith for it and believe for it, and when you receive, sow when you're supposed to sow, give when you're supposed to give, receive when you're supposed to receive. And then stop focusing on it. Move, move on. We got more important. Go lay hands on the sick. Cleanse the lepers. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. We all are supposed to do that. Do you know that? I'm getting into something totally different here, but just a little side note here. You know that raising the dead is considered an elementary teaching in the Bible? I know that. That's a little heavy. The, Paul says we need, we need to move on from elementary teachings, and he lists raising the dead as one of the elementary teachings. That's, what he's trying to say is this is entry-level stuff. Let's go on from here. But the enemy gets us so focused on Managing our house, paying our cars, putting gas in our tanks, paying our insurances. He, keep, he keeps us so, that's why I said the poverty mentality is worship of oneself. You're just so focused on what you don't have and what you need and what you have. You can never go beyond, you, you have no capacity to go raise the dead or heal the sick or cleanse the lepers or do anything because you're so consumed with selfness. That's why we have to get off of this thing. If the devil could do that to you, with you having lots of money, he doesn't care if you have money. That's why there are very, very rich, very, very evil people in the world. You understand that? There are very, very poor, very, very evil people in the world. You understand that? Money doesn't equate to level of evilness. The devil doesn't care how much money you have. All he cares about is getting you so focused on yourself that you're useless to the Father. And sometimes that takes money. Sometimes that takes not having money. He doesn't care. All he wants you to be is self-focused. Does that make sense? Let, let's make a commitment to the Lord and to ourselves to come up from this place. When, when you think about money, speak out of your mouth. I might be here now, but, but I'm coming up. I'm coming out of this. We're, we're getting better. We're come, all, all, of, all of our needs are met. All of our debts are paid off. All that we lay our hand to prospers. Because that's what the Lord said. You already, got in your, you already got the situation you're in by your doing anyways. You know what I'm saying? You got you there. Okay? Let's, let's, let's start saying what he says. Let's start doing what he says we should do. And see how that would enact change in our lives. Is that okay? What time is it? Oh, we're fine. You guys are good. It, it is just so, so strong in my heart to come up and out of this situation. As a church, we are, if we're behind on our bills, 
if we don't have enough to keep the doors open, when, how could we travel? When we travel, how could we spend hundreds if not thousands of dollars on other ministries to help them if we can't manage what we have going on at home? Does that make sense? We, we are called to be more than, the, than our current situation. Let's, let's just believe it. Let's be simple-minded enough to just agree and believe that. Is that okay? Hey, thanks for listening to the Tandy Love Church podcast. For more information, visit us online at www.tannylovechurch.com and also check us out on social media on Instagram and Facebook at Tandy Love Church.